to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Have you noticed a change in your menstrual cycles this past year or lately and wondered if it's just you? In short, it's not. From longer or shorter cycles to more cramps and heavy bleeding to heightened PMS symptoms, a substantial number of women are reporting changes in their usual menstrual cycle patterns, and many are trying to understand and adapt, wondering what's causing their cycles to suddenly take a turn for the irregular or more uncomfortable. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram, and welcome to episode 149 of Natural MD Radio. Has COVID-19 caused a wave of pandemic period problems? Let's dive into this unexpected side effect of pandemic life, what it means, and what we can do to keep or to get our menstrual cycles back on track. It seems that we learn something new about how COVID-19 virus affects us every day. But one area that's now just coming into focus is how both the pandemic and COVID infection itself are causing menstrual cycle changes. It all started on social media with individuals reporting menstrual cycle irregularities and changes after having COVID-19. As just one example, Salon Magazine profiled Alexandra Plazas Herrera, a woman who got COVID-19 in March of 2020 and soon after began experiencing unexpected menstrual cycle irregularities. During the infection itself, she had two periods in just one month, the second of which lasted two full weeks. Testing revealed hormone imbalances that were not there a few months before. This story isn't an isolated event either. According to a study of 177 hospitalized patients from researchers in Wuhan, China, about 25% of COVID-19 patients had menstrual volume changes and 28% had menstrual cycle changes, the most common being decreased amount of menstrual flow or cycle prolongation. An informal study by researcher Dr. Natalie Lambert found that of 3,292 women who had COVID-19, 9.1% reported having menstrual cycles that were heavier, lighter, or just different, and an estimated 10.1% reported having irregular or skipped menstrual cycles. So I decided to do a poll of my own, of my Instagram audience, and learned that 38% of over 15,000 of those who viewed my Instagram poll have experienced menstrual cycle changes during the pandemic. Of these, 56% report having experienced heavier periods, 44% lighter periods, 58% have had skip periods, and 42% have had more frequent periods. So what explains these symptoms? The authors of the Wuhan study suggest that it's the consequences of sex hormone changes caused by, quote, suppression of ovarian function that quickly resumes after recovery, end quote. In other words, either the infection or perhaps the stress of being sick, causes temporary changes in estrogen, progesterone, follicle-stimulating hormone, and other sex hormones that regulate the menstrual cycle. But the extent of hormonal changes remains unclear, and not all studies have found any hormonal changes. From a clinical perspective, though, this side effect isn't all that surprising. We've long known that even the common cold or flu can cause your period to be late or exacerbate PMS symptoms. It's only logical that fighting off a novel virus could lead to changes in the menstrual cycle, too. 
Perhaps having COVID-19 stresses our bodies by simply being a scary experience, but having the SARS-CoV-2 virus may also affect us in ways that we're just beginning to recognize, and menstrual cycle and other symptoms of hormonal imbalance may be one more in a growing list of long-hauler symptoms. What is puzzling, though, is that many of the women struggling with menstrual cycle changes have never had COVID-19. So what explains that? One answer stands out really clearly stress. I think we can all agree that this has been a stressful year, to say the least. It always feels almost ridiculous to say. It's like such an understatement, right? Thanks to nearly relentless pressures, including sheltering at home, new work models, money issues, balancing work and kids, and sometimes homeschooling, and our bottomless to-do lists that were there before, plus the more insidious stressor of trying not to get exposed to a potentially lethal virus, women's stress levels have gotten undoubtedly worse. We've been worried about the safety of our parents and grandparents, our kids, and our own physical and mental health. Many of us have been working full-time and trying to learn algebra so we can help our kids get through school. Add all of this together, and in my mind, it's like the perfect recipe for hormone and menstrual disruption, even if there is the small bright light for some, but not all women, of not having to rush out to work in the same way or getting to enjoy sweatpants a little bit more often. We already know that stress can make PMS and painful periods worse, making both the pain itself and our perception of pain worse. For example, one study on more than 250 women showed that women who experience higher stress levels have more than a 70 time, seven times greater risk of reporting moderate PS, PMS symptoms compared to those with lower stress levels. The odds are about two and a half times greater for high stress levels and severe symptoms. That study was done in 2009. Imagine not only how many more women would report high stress levels right now, but how much more severe that stress likely is. The constant stress we've experienced this year can leave us in fight or flight mode and overload the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is the pathway in our body that links our brain to our adrenal glands, the glands that produce the stress hormone cortisol, and that also ramp up production of adrenaline. When our bodies are constantly pumping out cortisol through the HPA axis, it can lead to decreased levels of reproductive hormones in the body and suppress ovulation. Research has shown that chronically elevated cortisol can cause irregular or skipped periods, lack of ovulation, and something called hypothalamic amenorrhea. In a study of 166 female college students, stress was found to be dramatically increased, I'm sorry, found to dramatically increase menstrual cycle length to 43 days or longer, while women who report high levels of perceived stress due to common factors like starting a new job, getting married, or having major family responsibilities are twice as likely to experience long menstrual cycles. Add a pandemic to that, and it's no surprise at all that so many women are struggling through their menstrual cycles. In my new book, Hormone Intelligence, I have an entire chapter on stress and hormones, including a quiz to help you determine if stress really is affecting your hormones. But hint, it's part of it for most women. A little digression here. Hormone Intelligence is available for pre-order, and it will be available for pre-order through June 8th, at which time it goes on sale live. If you purchase the book between now, which is April 16th and the end of June 2021, you will also get some wonderful, amazing bonus gifts. 
And between now and the end of June, you also get free access to my 28-day gut hormone reset, which is an incredible program. You can learn all about all of that, how to pre-order the book, how to register it, how to get free access to these gifts and my 28-day adrenal reset by going to avivaram.com forward slash book. And as an extra special bonus and fun thing that we get to do together, if you pre-order my book by April 23rd, you will be able to join me in the group process of doing the program together, which is usually $197 just to do that, which you get for free for the price of a book, which is somewhere between $18 and $24. So I hope you'll join me back to our podcast. So we also know that COVID-19 infection has some impact on thyroid function. There's been shown to be some depressed thyroid function in people with COVID infection and for some time after. And there's a known relationship between thyroid function and menstrual cycles. The authors of one study found that abnormal thyroid function, especially low TSH, is common in patients with COVID-19. In fact, about 15 to 30% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients have detectable new onset thyroid dysfunction. The researchers concluded that although more research is needed, it's possible that COVID triggers systemic immune activation that can cause inflammation in the thyroid, subacute hyperthyroidism, and acute hypothyroidism. Thyroid conditions like these are known contributors to menstrual cycle issues. The thyroid not only affects metabolism and weight, but it also interferes with the production of other hormones, including estrogen and progesterone, and can affect fertility, increase risk of miscarriage, cause irregular cycles, skipped periods, heavy periods, cognitive problems, and more. You'll find thyroid testing is included in my hormone intelligence panel, which I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. But what about the COVID-19 vaccines? Can those affect your menstrual cycle? The available COVID vaccines can come with side effects that include fever, chills, headache, and digestive distress. This is actually considered an expected part of the immune system stimulation that helps create immunity. So it's not too far a leap to think that the vaccine could cause slight and temporary changes to the menstrual cycle as your body makes antibodies to the COVID-19 virus. In fact, some women have reported menstrual cycle changes after receiving the vaccine, mainly heavy menstrual bleeding. After a Twitter post from Kate Clancy, PhD, associate professor at the University of Illinois on this subject, women quickly chimed in on social media to report similar side effects like mid-cycle bleeding, early periods, especially period painful cramps or late periods, and the post went viral. We still don't know what might explain this or even if there's a significant link beyond anecdotal reports, but as more people get vaccinated, we'll hopefully learn more, assuming this phenomenon is acknowledged and taken seriously by researchers. So let's look forward to how you can get your menstrual cycle back on track. If you're experiencing pandemic-related menstrual cycle disruptions, the good news is that there are ways to get back into sync. And here are some of them. One is to get in touch with your cycle. If you're not already tracking your cycle, either use a pen and paper charting system or an app. It's a great time to start doing this because it can really help you, one, be more aware of your body in general, but also pay attention to whether and how your cycles are changing 
right now through the pandemic. So you can pin down exactly how much your cycle has changed this past year and going forward. The next thing is to bring some steady rhythms into your life. Pandemic life has been described as many as feeling like being in the movie Groundhog's Day, sort of a monotonous run of one day bleeding into the next without much spice. But in reality, many are way off our normal rhythms, working irregular hours, spending a lot more time on our screens, including hit up, hitting up Netflix and Hulu late at night just to have some chill downtime. Unfortunately, all of this can disrupt our central internal clock that helps us regulate so many of our body functions, including our menstrual cycles. Both our internal clocks and our menstrual cycles work best when we have a consistent rhythm in our lives, which means generally eating, sleeping, and waking up roughly at the same time every day. If we aren't, it can feel like we're living in a perpetual state of jet lag. We're tired more often, hungry more often, and we have painfully difficult times concentrating. One way to bring steadier rhythms into your life is to avoid technology and blue light in the evening hours, especially in that hour before you go to bed, because that can really help to create a more healthy sleep-wake cycle. And that's one really important way to get your circadian rhythm back in harmony and keep your menstrual cycles more in harmony, which is something I talk about at length in my book, Hormone Intelligence. And you can also look learn more about being more in touch with your cycles by reading my articles on menstrual cycles and getting to know your cycle better over at my website and listening to those related podcasts. For links to these articles that I'm talking about, about menstrual health, and for other links that I share in the article that corresponds with this podcast episode, you can go over to avivaram.com forward slash 149. That's the number 149 written out numerically to get the corresponding article and you'll find all the links in there. So you don't have to try to search for them right now. You can have it at your, at your convenience. So the third thing is giving yourself permission to pause. Now, this may be something that you've heard me talk about before, and I think it's incredibly important for our overall physical and mental health. It's an amazing moment when you realize that the world will not stop spinning on its axis if you put down a few balls you're spinning in the air and replenish yourself. You can pause in any way that feels right to you. It could be a walk in nature without your cell phone, a long Epsom salts bath, hopping on the phone with a friend, cooking your favorite meal while listening to a Radio Lab podcast, or hey, another one of my podcasts. The goal of this pause is to reduce chronically high cortisol and help your body exit fight or flight mode. Meditation and yoga are two other ways to reduce stress. In fact, both have been shown to improve PMS symptoms. One study showed that yoga interventions improved physical function, bodily pain, abdominal swelling, breast tenderness, abdominal cramps, and cold sweats around our periods. Another concluded that mindfulness-based stress reduction is a promising therapy for PMDD. So if you can't just feel comfortable saying, I deserve permission to pause, which I hope if you've listened to me long enough, you can just do it because you deserve it. But think of it as a therapeutic intervention for yourself. So if you can't just intentionally give yourself permission to pause just because you deserve it, you know, and you need to let your friends or family or your partner or your children know, hey, I need to do this because it's important for my whatever, PMS, my irregular periods, then do it. But think of it as a therapeutic strategy that you can use every single day. What do I recommend? 15 minutes twice a day. 
15 minutes when you wake up in the morning to not jump right on your cell phone, jump right into your you know to-do list, not jump right onto your emails, and not jump right into compare and despair on Instagram, but 15 minutes to wake up, breathe, stretch your body a little bit, drink some water with lemon, get your day going. And then ideally 15 minutes somewhere in the day, maybe in the middle of the afternoon, especially if you usually get a sugar craving on or a caffeine craving on. Instead, spend 15 minutes doing something nourishing for yourself, deep breathing, a little stretching, a quick walk, five minutes of meditation, anything that resets that nervous system because part of that fatigue is that stress response system kicking in. And then anything you can do for 15 minutes before bed, meditation, breathing deeply, um, listening to some quiet music, as long as you're cell phone is not right near your bed if you're listening on a on a device. But really giving yourself a minimum of one 15 minute a day, great two 15 minutes a day, ideally three 15 minutes a day. One of the things I encourage my patients to do is set their smartphone, set their alarm for some time in the afternoon that acts as a reminder that it's just 15 minutes to take a bio break to care for your body. So, so far we have three things that you're going to do. Get in touch with your cycle, bring some steady rhythms into your life and give yourself permission to pause. The next is eating for optimal hormone health. Eating for optimal hormone health can help correct the underlying imbalances that sometimes cause menstrual cycle irregularities and which we may be contributing to a little bit more right now with added carbs and added sugar and added alcohol because we naturally want to stress eat a little bit more because it's one of the ways our nervous system auto calms itself. So to eat for hormone health, focus on eating whole fresh foods, plenty of vegetables and fruits, up to eight servings a day, ideally, good quality protein, especially fish, eggs, and vegan sources like legumes, healthy oils and fats, especially olive oil and avocados, nuts, and ample seeds, and include some carbs in your diet, but make them ideally healthy ones, like slow-burning carbs in moderation. So brown rice, other whole grains. Doing this throughout your cycle can really help calm your nervous system. And especially doing it in the week before your period is really powerful because slow burning carbs help support your body's production of something called serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter that helps elevate our mood. Better serotonin levels actually equate to less PMS. You can also try to cut back on common hormone disruptors like alcohol, caffeine, and sugar. This can take additional stress off your body and give it more space to recover and realign. I'm not saying you can't have tea or coffee. I'm not saying no sugar ever, but follow what I call the 95-5 rule. So if you're eating really well and eating for hormone health 95% of the time, sure, 5% of the time you can enjoy that cup of coffee if you want to. Just make sure you're not having it later in the day when it might keep you up at night. And if you're going to have sugar, try to enjoy things like something with maple syrup or honey or an organic cane sugar, but make sure that it's in something that's overall healthful. So if you're looking for wonderful sweet treats because you do feel like you need that right now during this time or you need it premenstrually, head over to my website, look at my recipes, go to my Instagram TV. You'll find, for example, this tahini date fudge, which is a chocolate fudge, which is to die for. It is that good. It is like premenstrual nirvana. So, um, you know, I have a lot of recipes. I have a great flourless chocolate cake that has very little sugar per amount of servings. 
um, you know, per, per each serving. So there are ways to enjoy healthful treats that still nourish you. My energy balls are a great way. So head over to my website, play around with the recipes. And then of course, in my hormone book, what kind of doctor would I be for women if I didn't include sweet treats? And dark chocolate is always fair game. So if you're jonesing for a little something sweet, you want a little something, something, ideally not in the evening if it keeps you awake, but a few squares of dark chocolate, a couple of ounces of dark chocolate a day can help prevent depression, can reduce PMS, and it does not typically increase women's weight. In fact, having some dark chocolate to look forward to tends to mean we're not binging out on other things. And um, so we wait, we have that dark chocolate, it's satisfying, and it's it's wonderful. And if you need that little, Joan, you know, you have that little caffeine Jones at four o'clock in the afternoon or three in the afternoon, dark chocolate has a little caffeine. So it's it's nice for that too. Finally, lean into adaptogens. You may have heard me talk about them before. If you haven't or you want to know more, head over to my website right on my homepage. If you go down to this section called More For You, there is a beautiful adaptogens ebook, which not only talks about adaptogens, but it's really geared toward women and women experiencing overwhelm and burnout. So it teaches you which are the most gentle ones and how to incorporate them, not just as herbs or supplements, but into your daily life. So if you're not familiar with adaptogens, they're a group of, group of herbs famous for their ability to regulate the stress response. One of my favorite adaptogens is ashwagandha, which has been used for over 4,000 years in India for healing stress and related symptoms, including deep exhaustion, sleep problems, anxiety, and memory issues. After using ashwagandha, cortisol levels can be reduced by as much as 30% in otherwise healthy but stressed people, which is significantly larger than with many other supplements. And if you have low cortisol, ashwagandha is not going to lower your cortisol further. It helps to regulate cortisol levels. It's one of the chemical beauties of adaptogens. I usually recommend starting with one to three grams of dried herb a day in capsule, or you can put it in in a powder form in uh, like an ashwagandha chai latte, which I have recipes over for you also in my um, Instagram TV um, and in my adaptogens ebook, but you can actually go up to six grams a day and you can take it in capsules. So if you don't want to use it in food, you can take it in capsules or you take about 20 to 80 drops of tincture in water one to three times a day. If needed, it is really important that you do get a checkup. At least per one study, COVID-19 infection doesn't seem to be associated with any appreciable changes in female hormone levels. And just the stress of the pandemic hasn't particularly been associated with measurable changes in estrogen or progesterone or follicle-stimulating hormone, but, but it's not largely being studied, and that's part of the problem. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. If you're sure that something's awry with your cycles and you're not sure that it's just the pandemic, which I say with air quotes here, lab work may help you identify if there's an actual hormone imbalance or thyroid problem going on. So ask your medical provider to run what I call the Hormone Intelligence Women's Hormone Panel. And this includes estradiol, follicle-stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone, or FSH and LH, which are best tested on day three of your menstrual cycle progesterone, which is best tested on days 19 to 22 of your cycle. So it may be that you need to go in twice to get labs drawn, or you can get a lab panel um, 
possibly done at home if you can't through like a Dutch test. Although I prefer personally um, more conventional lab testing for this purpose. You want to get sex hormone binding globulin, free testosterone, a complete thyroid panel, which includes TSH, free T4, free T3, reverse T3, and thyroid antibodies, a 24-hour salivary cortisol, and prolactin. Again, those are all written down for you at avivaram.com forward slash 149. And of course, they'll be available in my book, Hormone Intelligence, which is why it's called the Hormone Intelligence Women's Hormone Panel. Together, these tests should give you a good picture of your overall hormone health in general, even if you're not concerned about pandemic hormone changes. And they can also help you understand where you want to channel your attention if there is an irregularity. So for example, if it turns out that it's your thyroid, that's where you want to focus. If it's cortisol, that's where you want to focus. I wanted to share a final thought on pandemic menstrual cycle changes. Looking forward, my biggest concern is not that all women struggling with irregular periods or absent periods or heightened PMS or heavy bleeding won't get their cycles back on track. It's that it's this important side effect of COVID-19 that it won't get the attention it deserves. We've already learned that some COVID-19 symptoms are more common in women than men. For example, a study showed that 36.4% of women reported hair loss compared to only 8.3% of men. Will we invest the time as a culture and in the medical model? Will we invest the money and will we invest the energy to figure out how women are uniquely impacted by this virus? Unfortunately, research on struggles that are unique to women is typically underfunded or pushed to the side altogether. At the same time, as women, we're taught to be stoic, to ignore our suffering, and taught to put everyone else's health above our own. And if we don't, we risk labeled, being labeled as whiny, hysterical, or high maintenance. But if you're struggling with menstrual cycle issues, whether you've had COVID-19 or not, Make sure that you're advocating for yourself if you do need to go into the doctor's office. And remember, there are other providers that are phenomenal for women that aren't MDs, nurse practitioners, uh, certified nurse midwives, naturopaths are often able in states where naturopaths are legal to order these kind of labs for you. If you go into a medical doctor's office and you don't advocate for yourself though, you might not get the attention you deserve. And don't assume that just because someone is a woman practitioner or a nurse practitioner or a CNM or a naturopath, that you don't have to still advocate for yourself. And I've seen that happen personally where people enter into the medical system with all of the best intentions and want to be that woman-centered woman practitioner, but the pressures on the system really can change people. And so you can have this sort of identification with the oppressor that happens where people start behaving in ways that they don't even realize they're doing just because they're part of that system. The good thing is that, you know, you do have the right to remind people that hey, I'm a human being in front of you and I really do have the right to be treated with respect. We also, as women, have to learn to stop being so polite when we experience things like doctor splaining. So you go into your doctor and you say, hey, my periods have been really irregular for, you know, four months now and I've never had this before and I had COVID back 
five months ago, or I've just been under stress. My kids are home full-time. My partner's working from home. I'm working a full-time job. My, I have no help from my parents because we don't want them to come over during COVID or they live on the other side of the country and they can't travel to me. And your doctor says, oh, it couldn't be COVID. It's gotta be, you know, it couldn't be the pandemic. It couldn't be COVID. And then goes into a whole list of what it really is. That's doctor explaining. It's really important to remember to trust your body, your perceptions, and your instincts. No matter how much medical training somebody else has, you know your body best. You know your cycles best. If you're saying something has changed for you, then undoubtedly something has changed for you and you deserve to have that heard, respected, and trusted. We also really need to learn to use our power and rights to advocate for ourselves, ask questions, and when needed, get another opinion. And when it comes to asking your doctor to test lab tests for you, a lot of doctors will give pushback. And I've even had patients who have come to me who a previous doctor has said something to them like, where did you get your medical degree, Dr. Google? It it sometimes takes getting a little bit loud and it doesn't mean you have to yell, but it means you have to amplify your voice, sit up straight, fill yourself out, take up space and do what it takes to get heard and get proper testing, treatment and care. As we move through, and soon hopefully out of this really stressful time, remember to give your body some time to recover. We've all been through a lot of changes in the past year, and those changes as women often show up in our hormones, in our menstrual cycles. Our hormones are sensitive chemical messengers. This is the whole premise of my new book, Hormone Intelligence. Our hormones are sensitive chemical messengers. They are trying to tell us and and give us that the noise, give us static on our channels when there's something going on that's affecting us at a fundamental level. Any changes that have been going on during the pandemic are your body's way of signaling that things have been hard and it's going to need a little extra care and attention to sink back into normal. I hope this episode has been helpful for you, reassuring um, that there's nothing wrong with you, And really, you know, that you can trust that your body is this beautiful, resilient organism that will find its way back to normal and find its way back to centered and find its way back to rhythmic. And that the tips that I share in this uh, episode with you have given you tools that you can use to support yourself and that you can share with other women in your life who also may be going through this and aren't sharing it with you. So talking with each other is another way that we normalize what's going on for us as women. Thank you so much for joining me and I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.